Hello, she's, he's, and all comrades beyond the binary, and welcome to episode two of the Wheelback Podcast. I'm your host, Jay, and thank you for tuning into this podcast on how to be a better hater. Today, I am joined by my good friend, Eidolon. Um, she's an insanely talented producer, graphic designer, and one of the funniest Twitter trolls. On today's episode, we talk briefly on main character syndrome, social media, the Squanto, Twitter saga, and her most recent release, The Hexes Album, which is available on Spotify and SoundCloud, and I'll put a link to the album in the description. Uh, thank you for tuning in, and I hope you enjoy this interview. On that note, today I am joined by my friend Eidolon, um, also known as one of the funniest people to ever watch okay. troll online, because when they get going, holy shit, she is a disaster in the best possible way. Um, I'm going to give her a minute to talk about herself, if she so feels like it. Here we go. Hi, my name is Eidolon. Uh, you can call me Sophie as well. I'm a trans musician, um, and I've been making music for about 10 years, and that's 11 years too long. Um, it started when my friend showed me Scary Monsters and Nice Sprites, and uh, it's just been downhill from there. I listened to that, and I'm like, ooh, I could do that. And then I listened to Tristam, and I was like, ooh, I could do that. I couldn't do that. And long story short, I'm here now. And long story short, you're the biggest uh, must-die in Space Laces ripoff, right? Absolutely. <laughs> I am Dollar Store must-die. <laughs> dollar Store must-die. Oh my god, I love when you call yourself that, because I'm like, like, no, a lot of dubstep is Dollar Store must-die. Like... Your dollar store 2015 must die, which is no the good era. <laughs> not that his new era, not that his new music is bad, but like goddamn that 2015 era era makes me so happy. Are you telling me that Animal Parade's your favorite song by Must Die? No, I'm not saying it's my favorite song by Must Die. I'm saying it's my favorite era of dubstep. That's not like the 2010 to 2013 era. Yeah. Okay. I'm not saying Animal Parade's my favorite Must Die song. No, it's it's chaos. I'm, I'm basic. i'm not gonna deny that so you basically covered your whole getting into electronic music which is kind of like the point of a lot of my conversation and skrillex i love that that was like off the hop that's the one that you're gonna go for because that was the one that i think got a lot of people onto it oh yeah absolutely um mostly because like he was the first big artist that we had in the west for dubstep the West meaning, like, North America. Yeah, North American dubstep. Because, like, our previous exposure to, like, EDM was the normal rave music of DJs who, like, people didn't quite know about uh, or the names of. Like, that sounds shitty. I mean that they were more, like, niche, I guess. Like, Aphex Twin or Square Pusher. Yeah, in a, in a way, you get those artists that are... I mean, even to a point like Gustav Stein and all of those artists that, like, people knew of but not really knew of and i've always been one of those like rusco rusco oh yeah okay in in dubstep rusco was like the original north america like the first one to really make it over here and do things which i love because man's is a legend but like squilks i've always said squilks really like kicked open the door for bass music and really created an opportunity in north america for that to become a thing much to the the dismay of the Brits, but anytime that happens, it's always funny, right? 
<laughs> yeah, but the thing about it is, like, it wasn't just he kicked open the door for bass music. He completely changed the game. Like, when I think of artists who have changed the game for dubstep in a, as a whole, Skrillex is the first one that comes to mind with, um, I want to say Reptile. Oh, Oh. If it wasn't Reptile, it was uh, Equinox. And then you have, like, Zomboy with Terror Squad and Mustai with Gem Shards. I remember in 2015 where everyone was fucking copying Gem Shards. Yep. That was kind of the basis for a lot of it. Yeah, no, I do agree with you. I I prefer... Oh, my God. I the, My first instance of really, like digging into a, a side Skrillex song was Turmoil, which I'm really mad never got a release. Because that song just fucking bangs. But that's one of those ones that I look back and be like, okay, like, I get the vision more now in terms of taking what was already there and making it the flashy, bright Skrillex sound that everyone knows, right? And that's the thing. It was bright. If you listen to, like, dubstep from... Hell, 2010, you get, like, what deep dubstep is now, and basically. Yeah, it was kind of, I think the emerging, like, I always use Excision because, like, Excision's the benchmark in, in a lot of cases for a lot of people. And, like, for me, he's from the province that I'm from, so he was the dude. Is He had that, it was still dark and and kind of, like, gritty in a way, but it was, like, the dubstep feel it was bombastic. Bomb- uh, yeah, you know, that's a good way to put it. <laughs> yeah. Like, it, okay, go. Like you, because right after Skrillex blew up, then you had like your excisions, your I don't want to give him praise, but like he was a pioneer, your Dad Six, your Downlinks, like those three, with like Space Lasers too, with uh, Destroyed. I don't think he was in there in the beginning, but like they pushed more toward a heavier sound instead of a more energetic sound, I feel. So Space Laces was never destroyed. He was just a constant collaborator. Okay. Destroyed was I'm... Excision, Downlink, and KJ Sokka, I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty... Oh, that's right. Yeah. See, yeah. I'm a baby. And that was, like, before I was way into it. Yeah, no, down, Downlink again. Again, Downlink and Datsik are, unfortunately, locals for the second one. But, okay, I just want to clarify to everyone that's going to listen to here, we are not in any way praising Datsik. We don't want to let people think that we are thinking highly of him. Because he's I don't want to praise the shitter, but I can praise his early work and his influence on what happened. Like, in terms of the scene for music. Yeah, because... Personality-wise, fuck the guy. It, he's a shitter anyway. It's tough to, like, talk about these people in a way that it doesn't come across like like you're being like, oh, like, they're, they're, they're great. They Because as much as I hate to say it, they had a play in the beginning of, of the scene and the mm-hmm. beginning of the community. So it's we have it's to touch, like, t- touch on shitty subjects and talk about shitty people so that we can clarify things more, I guess, right? It's it's the roots. And yeah. that's, like, the one of the most important things is, like, you can recognize that people did these shitty things, but they were still, like, the root of that genre, so yeah. to speak. As long as you're not still um, fucking rinsing them out and wearing their merch and listening to music, right? 
Exactly. Yeah. But, like, you have, like, for the hip-hop scene, for the sad boy hip-hop, quote-unquote, you had, I believe, X was one of the first ones there. Um, but dude was a shitty guy. Oh, garbage human. And, like, but people still recognize, like, it's the separation of art and artists, and I can't fucking do that. Yeah, um, But I understand why people try to do it. And, like I said, he was a pioneer for that genre, so people will stay, still say, like, yeah, he was an inspiration to my sound because of what he did for the genre. And, ba- basically, I can respect what he did for the culture, but not the guy himself. Yeah, that's a good way of putting it. I mean... I missed out on a lot of the good, the good years, I should say, because I wasn't 19, and that's when you can start going to shows, really, in Canada. Gross. So I didn't get any of the Executioner excision sets, which really frustrated me. Don't worry. Yeah, we barely, we got the Paradox at the very beginning, and it was like a super small version, and then we got the Paradox at the very end, and it was a full-scale one, which was my first time seeing excision with the full-scale setup. Which was insane. By the time I could start going to shows, I was 18, and he had just retired the, the um, Executioner. And I was so mad, because I was prepped to go to a show in Boston with uh, an old friend of mine. He was a producer as well. His name was Solis. He's, uh, he's given it up for starting a family, which, good, good on him. him. Um, but he was going to take me to an excision show. But it ended up not happening, because... I believe he found out he was going to be a dad, so he had to prepare for that. Oh, that's brutal. And I just couldn't afford to go to Boston anyway. That's fair. Yeah. I I didn't get the executioner either, which, like, like I'm, I'm okay with. Like, it's fine. It is what it is. But we got the paradox, like, right at the very beginning. And I think part of the reason that he made it so modular was because, a lo- like, there was a lot of cities that didn't get it because of that. Which is cool, and like I'm, I'm always been. I I lucked out and caught excision without the state with, without the production because it made that set that much more insane to me, in my opinion. Well, see, the thing with excision is like all of the effects on like the executioner and the paradox are all like done by him right there. Yeah, he cues it all up together. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. It's such a cool thing to so- watch. Like Figure did that too with his terror vision, right? I'm not sure. I've never really gotten into the figure. Oh, respect to that. Um, but I do know that, like, he lined, made sure everything lined up perfectly. So, like, dude deserves all respect he can get because that's a lot of fucking work. Yeah, he was the first, like, one of the first ones, I think, to do something like that for dubstep. And even just, like, in terms of visual productions, too. Like, I've been to so many shows with, like, big-name touring artists that their visual production is is minimal. It's just their name and a flashing logo. Yeah, pretty much. Which, like, that's fine. Um, a, a show doesn't have to be just visuals or doesn't have to be just the music. It's it's the artistry, I feel. Yeah, but the reason why I like sets without visuals more or prefer or gravitate towards them is that in some way it feels like the artist has to step up in the aspect of like music selection and flow and mixing and everything to make Mm it like feel that way. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. Um, when it comes down to doing those mixes like that really to me feels like they have to step up and 
and try harder, which I'm not saying the artists don't try hard. I'm just saying like I've enjoyed some of my favorite shifts. There's favorite sets were just n- no visuals, like bare bones. I can respect that. Uh, mostly because that's how I do my shows right now. <laughs> yeah. But I also just don't know how to fucking do it. I used to, but I've forgotten how to use After Effects. So. Yeah. Anytime I have to learn a new program, it's bad. Anytime I have to go back and learn it, I'm just mad at myself, which makes it worse. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm, that's why I'm just glad that I never forgot how to use Illustrator. <laughs> <laughs> okay, fair. Yeah. Um, yes, I should say to the viewers that you have some in like when it comes to when you send me songs and then you're like oh wait i've changed it like your lapse time on that is absolutely just absurd and how quick you get things on like is there anything behind is it like what what drives that like what gives you that ability to just constantly be like go um so it happens in spurts that's why when i send people things it's always like four different links um, there are, like, days that go by where I don't even open FL Studio, but then there's days where that's all I do. I come home, sit down, FL Studio, work on something. And then when it comes to, like, immediately fixing something, I hear it on SoundCloud, I'm like, wait, that sounds like shit. Let me change it to something that sounds a bit better, or I just have an idea right away, like, right after. Um, like, with the thing I'm working on that I sent you... I heard that bass, I'm like, alright, that's cool, but it doesn't quite fit. So then I changed it to the second one that I sent. Um, see, I don't really notice those things all that much when it comes down to like, like hearing things and being like, oh, that should be changed. Like Even when I listen back to the episodes I've edited, it's just like, I don't realize it until someone else listens to it, to it and it's just like, that's weird. Like, there's something with the audio there. It's like, wild to me and yeah that's i think it's normal to to get creativity and bursts like that's how i work (laughs) i get like bursts of like i'm gonna get all this stuff done for whatever i'm working on and then and then i go weeks without doing anything for it right yeah that's what this uh that's what the lp was like so the idea for this lp started when I put out Chaos, I just bought my mic. Um, and I'm sitting there like, well, I could do that. And I'm just mumbling the idea in my head. And then I'm just like, all right, fuck it. I'll do that. Doing things out of spite? Uh, kind of, yeah. Because I was like, yeah, I can't do that. And then um, Shocker Crisis Vision came out. And I'm like, oh, shit, I could do that. It It's just that easy. I am... I'm a goblin when it comes to, like, actually making music. No, I think, like, yeah. I have I have some friends that make music, too. Some of the friends that make music. And it's just, it, it kind of goes, like, kind of, like, life affects it, too, for them. Because, mm-hmm. like, my buddy's, like, he works nights for the most part and events. So he's all over the place. And he'll send me songs, like, once. They'll be like, I'll get three different songs in the span of a week. And then I won't get anything for... Like, a couple weeks, and then it's, like, all of a sudden, it's this big burst of music. Mm-hmm. Which, like, that's kind of kind of the point of releasing an album, I guess, right? Is compiling all of those and seeing if you can make something cohesive out of it. Yeah, and the album was also supposed to be, like, I'm gonna take another break, 
which I do all the time when it comes to this music biz. And then I was gonna be, I was thinking like I'm gonna take a break, take a year off from music, and figure out other things. Yeah. And then I like I listen to a Voltage Three, and I'm like, wait a minute, I could do things. So then I did things. So I'm not taking a break anymore after this LP comes out. Uh, okay, so uh, let's go into this more. You're talking about this album. Your album, Hexes, comes out November 2nd, right? Uh, as of right now, yes. As of right now, yes. As- assuming nothing like pushes it back. So it should be coming out. So let's dig into it. Oh, God. What was, okay. your, what was your overall... Like, did you come into it with the concept, or was it a part of just compiling all of your your bursts of energy and creative so, ability? It started out when I was on this bender of listening to nothing but script, which script has a insanely high influence on this album. Um... And I was listening to script, wrote Chaos and Angel Annihilated, like, at the same time, um, which were up on my SoundCloud, I took them down for the, uh, album after fixing them up a bit. Well, Chaos, I think, is still there, because I did a VIP of Chaos. Yep. Um, and then I took a bit of a break and mold my head around those two tracks. I'm like, you know, I could do an album, but that requires so much time and so much effort. And in the time I was mulling that around, I wrote uh, Death's Dance, which is not on my SoundCloud. It is only on my Spotify right now because I'm lazy and I forgot to upload it. (laughs) And it's also not good. (laughs) Listening back, I hate how it's mixed. I hate how I mastered it. I hate the track. I need to fix it. Um, Well, I could do that. VIP? Maybe. I don't know. Maybe. I don't want to do two VIPs that quickly. Fair. Understandable. But in that time, I sent that through a Profit Collective, who love them. They're all sweethearts. And after that, everyone had been kind of taking a break. Um, Panda was working on his music. Grain Death had a lot of things going on in her life. Um, Lupa, who was also on that, just got put on Mousetrap, so props to her. Um, and Wolf, I think, is working on something else as well, like, not music-related. So I'm like, I don't want to put something out, like, back-to-back. So then I put Pain Packer just on my own SoundCloud. And then I thought, like, this track is, like, my favorite thing I've worked on. It's also my favorite song of yours. In love with this track. It's so much fun. Uh, Anybody that hasn't listened to it i'll put a link to it on the uh i don't know if it's on my soundcloud right now but i can unprivate it if it is when the album comes out yeah um because that's on there and that made me so fucking happy it is to see and so i took it off of my soundcloud to put it on the album because i'm like i want this track to get more yeah because i'm not shouting this one into the void i'm very fucking proud of this one as you should be and then I fixed up the mix for Angel Annihilated because the kick was clipping and I didn't like it. So I fixed that, put that on the album, and then I have... I need to pull up the... Because uh, I can't remember names because I literally just named them after fucking Yu-Gi-Oh cards. 
Uh, Jamming Wave was Jamming Wave, Shark Cannon, and Widow Anchor. Uh, Jamming Wave and Shark Cannon specifically were really inspired by like 2015 script. I'm unfamiliar with script, but we'll come back to that later. Okay. And then Widow Anchor, which is the ending of the album, it's the last track, was inspired by uh, Body Pool by Curry Race, which now that they say that people are going to listen to it and be like, oh, it's too much, and yeah, but it is what it is. I liked it. It's inspired by something which is important yeah. to you, right? Yes. I hate making uninspired music. I did that for a while with Necronomicon and the things that came after that, and I hated it. Yeah. Um. So then I was like, I kind of want like two reprieves on this album to where it's not all just like heavier, bombastic. Uh, so I wrote Android Stream of Electric Sheep, which I ripped that name from a Ghost Main track. Uh, <laughs> um, and that's the intro. And then there's Hexes, which is just like some chords and like a small melody that I thought was really neat. And I made that an interlude uh, slapped on a magic switch. And I was gaming. It's going swinging for the fences. Um, I do actually really enjoy the fact that there is like hexes in that that adds a little bit of like not room to breathe per se, but like flow to the album. Like the way that you've done the intro and the the interlude style track in there, which is exactly what I wanted. <laughs> Good, but uh, like so that they got kind of like what in. Have you heard it used in a context before that was the the one thing that you go back to was like, okay, that's that's the one that inspired me to do that, right? Or is that just something that's always been, like, you've always wanted to do it? Uh, what, like the sort of reprieve? Yeah, putting in those, I don't want to say interlude tracks, but like, like androids. I mean, but they basically are. Um, yeah, I guess you could call so them So it's, it's not like an electronically inspired thing. It actually comes from... Uh, I'll give you the specific album, uh, First Born by Idea and Abilities, which is a hip-hop album that I love. And at the end of a few tracks, like, between them, they had, like, a sort of jazzy interlude, or they had just, like, a melody playing um, to sort of digest the music that you just heard. Because Idea, for the tracks that had them, wrote very, like, introspective lyrics for it. And... I can't write lyrics, so I just did, hey, this song I like, and I was really proud of, uh, so I'm going to have the interlude after that, which was Angel Annihilated, into the yep. Chaos VIP, which I actually kind of wanted that to happen like that anyway, because those were the first two tracks that I wrote when I was like, alright, this is the sound I want to go for, which was Dollar Store Must Die. Yeah, it really, like to me, adds that... Because I'm kind of like, you know, from metal community, those interludes are are not common, but they're not uncommon either. So it's really like, I, I can't think of an instance in seeing electronic albums that has had that, which is really cool to me. That That's like a piece of what makes this album stand out a lot. But the biggest part of it to me when I listen to it is it really feels like there's a cohesive style and sound that you're going for, but it spans all the different types of music that you like to make yes because you're not just pigeonholed into that dollar store must die vibe like you have like more hard elements in in a lot of your songs which has taken time to grow on me but i'm really enjoying them 
What does that mean? Like, what do you mean hard elements? I'm confused. You know, like, you get those, like, not not dubstep, not hard style, but, like, those, like, bouncy dubstep where it's, like, kind of hard style-y. Oh, like the full, uh, full-time beat, where it's just, like, full kicks. Ti- okay, full-time beat, yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah, okay, so I didn't know there was a term for that, which says a lot about me, but... No, you're fine. Yeah, that was something that was really, like, that's really... I listened to it, and it, it's very cohesive, which I, I'm a sucker for a cohesive album. Like, that's something that, to me, like, if if an album, even if it's a mediocre album, if it feels cohesive to me, I'll enjoy it more, right? Right. So that's really, like, that That adds to it. And your second drops. You, I love how you do your, no, your, the second drops on some of them where it's that slight swap up where it's different, but it's the same feel to it. It's like, oh, yes. <laughs> that's just something that I've done for about 10 years. <laughs> like, I hate absolutely hate when the second drop is drastically different um to where it just feels like a different track altogether i absolutely despise that um so i want there to be like the similarity with like variation of course you don't want to just listen to the same drop again that's about a minute of your time gone hearing this same thing you've already heard yeah so i try to keep it interesting which is why things like angel and Island and chaos vip have like the full-time beat with like the original drop as they uh be part of it uh or like jamming wave where it has like the um sort of late drop which followed with a different beat and sound i believe altogether. yeah i, I know i listen to it and there's always like second drops that are like are drastically different yeah they're they're fun but why not just make it a separate song right oh i think that's something that comes from like when we first did because we kind of i guess got into dubstep at the same time is like that was was common was second drops were usually drastically different yeah like heavily different which was nice but at the time it was cool but like at the time dubstep itself i'm going to get crucified for this dubstep itself did not have structure it was a mess (laughs) like i'll agree with you you listen to like old Skrillex, like Equinox, love the track, but it just feels like sound, 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 sound. There's no coherence to it, which is fine, but that's just not what I like, I guess. Um, no, I, I agree with you on that. Yeah, so the fact that, like, old drops then were, like, you know, second drop completely different, cool. It worked, but it doesn't quite work now. But I also don't completely condone copying and pasting. Uh, Pain Packers, an ex- exclusion, I promise. I guess now, more so than at the beginning, like, artists have a more distinct sound. Like, it took artists longer to kind of find the sound that really worked because they were kind of at the beginning stage of everything yes so it was like they had less to work off of and then now it's like you know going into writing music what's going to like what's what's gonna work for the most part because it's what works for you and what works for so many other people so you can try and figure out your own version of it right dude these kids are like figuring it out like that too and that's more kismet me. has been good since what like 13 what's that M- more kismet yeah 
Like, they've, like, they've been, pr- like, they were on fucking Never Say Die at 13, right? Like, like 13 or 14, that was fucked. Like, that's an, that just, that's just raw like, talent. I saw that, it blew my goddamn mind. Then you have, like, Skybreak, who was playing at fucking EDC, like, the next EDC Vegas. Um, and he's just, they, they're only, I think, 19? Jeez. Like, these kids are just insane now. Like, back in my day, you didn't just come up and suddenly you're here. You weren't sudden death. You worked your way up from the embarrassing names, the embarrassing sounds, all of it. The fucking vengeance samples before we had cymatics. And then you became that. You didn't just, that's me. Yeah, it's, that's really like... And it's not really to bash anybody that's popping off now. It's not. It's... Like, it still takes a lot to get to... Like, in you, you're having to see artists push the like push their branding and their images and everything more now than you had to do back then, but... That's the huge thing. Um, yeah. Originally, you could just put your shit on YouTube and you were there. You were going. But now it's all about marketing. And that breaks my goddamn heart. Because, like, you have these, these kids who have the talent, the drive, and the ideas, but they don't know how to market, and they can't afford to pay someone to do it for them. So they don't get anywhere with it. Prized, I think, is a fantastic example. He knows what he wants to do. He has the sound, the mixing, everything, but he doesn't quite know how to market himself. And this isn't a bash to Prized. I love the dude. He's one of my best friends. Um, Great person. Great dude. I was at his wedding. But, like, that one thing is what's stopping him from being where he should be. It's what's stopping a lot of people from being where they should be. Uh, Like, Vice Tempest, um, Prized, like, all of these people. And then you have, like, the underground artists who are able to do it without marketing quite as hard. Uh, I think Grain Death is fantastic at that. She... Oh, she's amazing. She is a fantastic artist. I have more tracks of hers in my set than I think I do even mine. <laughs> but, like, she... I abs- don't blame you. She absolutely deserves everything she gets. And she doesn't market herself conventionally. No, she's very, like... I don't want to say selective, but, like, she's really good about... You see who she is... Exactly. She presents and not herself who like she's trying to be. Exactly. She presents herself as a person and not a brand, and I love that. Yeah, it, that makes it so much more personal. And what, it's what kind of like it's interesting because, like I I'm I'm I have removed myself from all artist groups aside from people that I know, like artists that I know, mm-hmm. because it makes it frustrating when you. Oh no, I don't know where I'm gonna go with this one. I might just mix it. it. It's frustrating where you're just seen as like another number. Well, no, it's not even that you're just another number. It's that you're in this situation where you can end up watching an artist you like stop being a person and start being the brand. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which is like that that drives me nuts. Cause I already like I already have enough problems with like seeing what artists post on social media and like realizing that I shouldn't be supporting them. Yeah, um, 
I had quite a few with that. I'm not going to name names because I believe at least one of them still follows me. Um, but I I absolutely get what you're saying. I was talking to um Nick, actual Rhythm Dad, and he let me know some, which breaks my heart. Oh, that's brutal. But like necessary, right? It's absolutely necessary. I don't. I can't stand the shitty people that are like in the scene and uh do you mind if i bitch for a few minutes (laughs) oh i see you know what this is why i wanted to do this is because i love listening to people talk and complain about things so here we go so this is coming from me who has been in the scene for like i said 10 years i am a grandmother um even though i'm only 23 but the scene Artists and fans have has gotten very selfish. It's all about me. I'm the main character. And I personally cannot stand that. And it like I said, it's both fans and it's artists. Um I think Moonboy was a good example of that. He was very much like, no, I'm important. Um, yeah, me, 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 right? Yeah, and, like, I can't fucking stand that, but that's also, like, me coming from a background where it, like, it is literally, I'm going to help you, and you will help me. Scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. That's really how yeah. it should be done. Um, I don't know if you know who, like, Jetto is, like, G-E-J-E-T-O. Uh, not familiar, no. Jetto is a like fantastic artist and he helped me learn like what to do when it comes to producing and in return i like helped him with like sampling for a bit basically like it wasn't much but it was enough to help us both get going and he i believe just worked with au5 which I remember him telling me fucking years ago that was his dream. His goal artist, right? Yeah. Dude, that's so cool. And that's, like, to me, it's a community, and obviously with my political beliefs. It, 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 sh- it is, it We should, should all be. be doing things for the benefit of each other as well as ourselves, right? Yeah, and- it should be community, but, like, I want to say since 2017, it just hasn't been. It's It's been very selfish, and, like, it's – a lot of people I'm seeing don't even care about the music anymore. They don't care about the artistry that goes into it. They care about getting absolutely shit-faced, which no problem with drinking. But if you're going to a show, I feel like it's almost disrespectful to not focus on the music in a sense. Have fun. I don't give a shit. But, like, I don't know. There's, as long as it doesn't affect your show, right? Yeah. Like, I don't... I don't know. People could also... People also, like, I guarantee see this differently than I do. And that's fine. More power to them. Now, do you think, in terms of the, the aspect of the fans, because I... This is my bread and butter. It sure is. Um, do you think the concept of the fans getting their main character syndrome within this community... Do you think it pertains and relates to the fact that we're constantly barraged with new music now? So it feels like 
people just have constant music and and there's constant social updates and everything going on so that they feel more empowered by the fact that they like this stuff and it kind of creates this whole like i'm important that's, more so than everyone else because they get in their own heads that's definitely part of it i've noticed that music's music's gotten really oversaturated um which yeah. isn't a bad thing i love that artists are putting out music because now there's actually something for everybody just in dubstep but yeah, like there's so, it, it it helps and hinders in a way right um in a sense yes but i don't think it's the volume of music that's being put out i think it's the importance of twitter so many people care about twitter in the edm scene just talking about fans yeah like you have these people going to shows and being like oh you're so and so i know you from twitter and they use that for a fucking like clout like congrats you sat there said i like sudden death and a lot of people were like oh me too and like cool but you're no better than anybody else that's there <laughs> like I'm glad that you like something. This has been my argument too. for years. But like, you're no better than anybody for because years. you're all paying the same exorbitant amount of money to go to these festivals and listen to the same fucking artists. You're all yeah. you're you're equal people. I don't understand We're why all, that's an issue. I think the, I think social media was really yeah like the downfall of that aspect because people got constant access to validation and i know like we're all guilty of it i'm guilty of it too it just i don't know it it really ruins a lot of the things because you like you can tell people are like oh i got i got recognized by my twitter handle haha and i have i have friends that have met people that have big followings and are just like the second they know who you're your username is if they don't like you they're just like snarky and rude or or really shitty and it's just like oh my god like guys it's just social media like they treat you differently when they find out you have a high count yeah it's like it's strange and like i always get mad when people like i always joke if you ever meet me in person if you ever refer to me by my twitter name like i'm leaving i'm i will not talk to you and i can't because you fucking change it every 20 minutes hey man i'm good at that okay my username stays the same for the most I part. St- I still have cringe banger in my head. Like, I forgot about that. But like, <laughs> uh, that was a, that was a deep reference. <laughs> oh god! Like, I my thing is is something like something dumb happens and someone says something and I immediately look at it and go, I can parody that. Like the, the Kool Aid Man one. Yeah. Like, that was just, like, immediate, like, like, oh, man. fucking Squanto saga. That was a blast. (laughs) Did you, did you see what, what's come up about him? No. Apparently he's in jail. (laughs) Good. Allegedly he's been in jail for the past couple months. Nothing is proven. Allegedly in jail. What's not alleged is he called me a slur, and that's funny. Yeah, I, I mean... To you, it's funny. It's funny to me because, like, well, in you the took de- it on the chin, and we're just like, "Fuck you, fight me!" Like, yeah. Well, I took it on the chin after fucking with him for like two hours, because like I said one thing that he didn't like, so he DMs me on Twitter, calls me Eric something or not Eric Charles something. Yeah, he called you your wrong. Name. Or no, he called me Alex. He said I was Alex Miller. I don't know who that is. 
where I'm like, yeah, dude, that's that's me, and like I got fucking panned on Grand Death Inn on too. It was great. <laughs> oh my god, that was that was the I think the like overall the wildest era of Twitter was the that whole bully bot their anti bully bot. Skunto thing. For the longest time, I had what one of them like said to me as my Twitter banner, where it's like, you're just crying for attention. And I'm like, no, I just want this dude to be fucking ousted from the community because he has no place here. Yeah. I think he. my favorite part of that was him threatening Must-I with an actual gun. <laughs> Wait. He threatened, like, violence on, like, Must-I because Must-I called him out for it. He I... I did not know that. That's fucked. He posted, like... This is right after Must I had the beef with Trapped. Um, which, oh my again, god, yeah. <laughs> fucking hilarious. But, like, oh, that was a good, a good era. Squanto posted a screenshot... Or not a screenshot, a photo of him in front of a huge fucking crowd. No masks. This is before vaccines. Oh, that one, yeah. This is before yeah, that, the vaccine post, itself yeah. was, like, being... Was even publicly being used. He was one of the first shows to play in Florida, if I remember correctly. He was the first show. Oh, shit. That makes it worse. Um, so, Mustai is like, hey, uh, I want you to understand that people can and will get sick from this, and you are responsible for their deaths. Or something like that. Oof. Like, he took- he turned off Caps Lock, which- funny- but Squanto a rare moment. Squanto said something about shooting him oh, and no. almost immediately deleted the tweet, but it was caught in time by enough people. Which oh, is no. fucking hilarious. Yeah, he like I I feel bad because I was a fan of him like years ago and he clearly had an episode and needed help and started doing it again and it's just like okay like he knows that he's not well here's but he's just running with it because it's i don't know if it was an episode that's not the first time i've had issues with squanto yeah i've had i've had issues with him before but i mean like in terms of to the extent that he went face to face oh um back when i was under the name burn nebelheim um i like called him on being a jackass and he dm'd me about it and he's like, yeah, you don't know what you're talking about. I'm like, what do you mean? I have people who were literally next to you. Megatronus is telling me that this is what you did. Megatronus lives, like, next door to you. It's an exaggeration, but they live fairly close together. Yeah. And he goes, yeah, Dan's wrong. I'm like, what are you talking about? Oh, no. Dude was a fucking... Dude is weird. And not, yeah. like, the point-and-laugh, haha weird. The, like, the, I'm going to stand outside your door with a bat weird. Well, I, I'm i pretty sure I saw somebody get suspended because they called him school shooter vibes. Wasn't that Travis? Oh, it might have been, yeah. I think that yeah. was Travis. That would have been Travis. Travis or, or Rob? It was one of those two. Yeah, that was that honestly like that was the one time that that was the most united that dubstep Twitter had ever been. But it was also the most divided too. Oh yeah, but I mean like in in a way that it, it really set lines on who's who in the community, right? Yeah, like it absolutely and, like, it, it really like, outed a lot of shitty people, which yeah. I'm totally fine with. It, 
That entire fiasco was a vetting process for shitters. Thankfully, I didn't lose many, which was nice. I gained, like, friends. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. Because, like... So, net positive, bullying makes friends. Well, the net positive was fucking the uh, anti-bully bot adding all of them. And so, like, they added, like, ten people, and all of them were just bullying the bot. Just bullying Swanto. And oh no. That's <laughs> how we became friends with Mace. It's really oh fucking my God. funny. I think it's how we became oh, friends with Ant, too. Mace is an absolute legend. He's one of the few people that, like, anytime I interact with him on social media, it's always just, like, one of the highlights of the day just because he's so fucking funny and he just does not give a shit. I have an episode with him and it was just, like, the conversation was really funny for a lot of the things that he says, and it's just like, I wish I thought of that. Like, do you remember DJ Fuck the Cops? Oh no. Ooh, what's Dude, your opinion? This is a repressed memory. What is your opinion on Tom? Is that his name? No, it's Trevor. What's your opinion on Trevor? I, I my my opinion is neutral. I liked the idea at first. I wasn't too sure about the end product the last time I remember seeing that name, but I mean controversy sells, right? Dude. He was genuinely a sweetheart, like talking to him. Oh, I don't anytime I like I talked to him in DMs he was always really nice, but like his whole branding thing was like, oh okay. His branding was fucking hilarious. Oh, it was great. It pissed so many people off. Well, it wasn't just the fact that it pissed so many people off. It's that it was targeted exclusively at monks. <laughs> and, like, it got bad. <laughs> I don't remember that. That might have been a period of time when I wasn't on Twitter, too. He was DMing monks. <laughs> He's, like, what started people realizing that monks is a shitty fucking dude. And it slowly turned into him just threatening to suck Monks off. <laughs> oh my god. Oh my god. I remember seeing something like that. And my favorite oh my fucking video, which I don't have anymore because his original Twitter got fucking suspended, is Rip. him hitting a bong and then screaming at the camera, I'm a suck your dick, Monks. It was the funniest shit. Oh and then, like, god. actually talking to him about music, like, completely different guy. Um. So, he used to be in a group chat that I was in with Prized, and, like, uh, God, I don't want to mention that I was associated with him, but Prized, Blade, um, and, like, Uh, Prized's girlfriend, all, like, talking about music, and uh, Prized's girlfriend at the time, but she said, like, rhythm is different from dubstep, and (laughs) he just just goes, uh, no, it's not. She goes, oh, what do you mean? He goes, no, it's I not. know who you're talking about. Uh, yeah. Ugh, yeah. I know. The, the, I, I the, had a, I had them, the one a while ago that was like all dubstep. Like dubstep has been stagnant since Skrillex happened. No. And she, she said something really like, she's like, oh, oh remove dubstep nerd from your bio. I was like, no. No, it's the she I'm not has wrong. the uh, she has the monster tattoo. Like, the, yeah, that's yeah, yeah. I know who you're talking about? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I was like, yeah, um, I, I'm not, I'm not wrong. You're you're just, just mad. an idiot. And <laughs> <laughs> fuck the cops. Just goes, no, you're wrong. It's it's dubstep. And she goes, okay, but death step's different. He goes, no, it's not. That's not even a real genre. 
She goes, what do you mean? He goes, it's a subgenre of dubstep. It's not a real genre. <laughs> and she fucking flies off the handle. And like, all the while she's like typing in all caps. She's just going, no, you're wrong. That's not it. You're wrong. Here's the Wikipedia article. You're wrong. <laughs> Oh, oh my God. yeah, no, I I love the whole like everything's a different genre because no, it's not. At the end of the day, it's really not. It's all electronic music. EDM itself is a fucking subgenre of electronic music because you have electronic dance music and then you have intelligent dance music. IDM. Um, I don't know about I'm, that name, but <sighs> it, it's. Like, what people try to classify Aphex Twin as now, I guess. Yeah. Um, I guess it, it it's in a way separates, but, uh, yeah. Um, but, like, then he finally got blocked by Monks, so he stopped that marketing. And from there, he was just like, yeah, I hate this scene. I'm done with dubstep. And then became a fucking ICP-styled hip-hop artist. Yeah, he does the trap. He did, he did yeah. a lot of the trap beats too for a while there. Well, while he was doing dubstep. Yeah, like he was doing them both at the same time. Um, and I remember there was a campaign for ICP to follow him. Oh, I remember this one. And it finally fucking happened, and then his account got suspended. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, but he's on Instagram now. Uh, oh, is he? Yeah, that's all he he only posts on Instagram. I still oh, have okay. his number. Is it still DJ Fuck the Cops? It's just, um, 666. It's 666 Fuck the Cops now. Oh, okay. Um, I think he still DJs, like, as a career at a club, but that's really it. The rest of it's just, like, producing and writing. Which, more power to him. Follow your fucking passion. Because I found out out about him through... I think it was Dubloads shared something that was just like, this is the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen. I was like, yeah, it is. And then just went from there. You know, but. I have mixed opinions about dubloads. Yeah, I'm not going to get into that one. Um. It, there's way too much to unwrap, and either way you go, you're an asshole. Yeah. Everyone I know that like that's worked with him speaks very highly of him, but maybe it's just his personality on social media. I don't know. I don't but know. I think I'm a- neither here nor there yeah. on that subject. Um. I want to kind of go back to something that you said when you were talking about your album. Mm-hmm. Um, when you're, we were, you were talking about how your song "Widow Anchor" is, you you said it could be perceived as a bit of a, a rip off of another artist. Now, I kind of want to talk about the whole inspiration versus like straight up just copying. Okay. Because I think that's a, a conversation that doesn't really like. I, I guess it gets lost in the conversation because you hear something and you go, "Oh, this is blatantly ripping off of." something which a lot of modern dubstep is just people ripping off other sounds but the inspiration part because i love listening to music and you know exactly where that inspiration came from without it being like this is like this is a ripoff right um i think the best example i can think of i think it was one with death no it's it's a lux song but i can't remember which one it was um it was a VIP of theirs, but it was, like, clearly inspired, but not a ripoff of Behemoth by uh, Sudden Death. Oh, okay. 
because it like the issue is Behemoth is such a simple track. It's the Terror Squad effect. Everyone was quote unquote ripping off Terror Squad because it turns out um half half quarter half half quarter is catchy and simple. So you get that and lo and behold, you uh it's suddenly a ripoff now, but it's not. Um so I think where do you feel the line drawn between ripoff and inspired? I feel like like when when it comes down to listening to two things, it's a little like it can be uh can be tough to differentiate it, but when you listen to the artist's work more, you can kind of understand more of their spin on it. I think with electronic music, because there's so much of it and there's so many pieces that you can take inspiration from, when you're not picking from what's hot, it can kind of lend to things seeming more inspired than copied, in a way. Mm-hmm. My my go-to is, there's a sta- like a stabby song from three or four years ago that one of the drops, like the first time I heard it, cause I was just like listening and passing. I'm like, that is a Rusco drop like through and through. That's a Rusco drop. And then I went back and re-listened to it in the context of the song. And then I listened back to more of Stabby's music because I've been a long time listener and I went back to it. And I was like, no, like I, I can see where it's inspired by. Yeah. More than it feels like a rip off. I think it, it takes just, knowing more context of the artist mm-hmm. which is why i try not to give a shit if an artist sounds like another artist on my first listen see the way that i see it is the only time it's a ripoff is when it's there there's a blatant obvious when it's ripped off and there's also a blatant obvious when it's inspired um inspiration they usually do something else with it while a ripoff, like, for example, I'm going to go to a must-I track. If I were to take a... Oh my god, I have to scroll through these fucking tracks. If I were to take a yoy bass, or like a vocal bass, and not add anything to that bass, and just have that on, like, a quarter or a... Uh, eighth note it would be like a funeral zone ripoff but if i were to do something else with that with the idea of funeral zone being in my mind while working on it and then the like idea of okay this is inspired by funeral zone goes away and then it becomes this is my own track Hmm. that's where the line's drawn for me best example i can think of is pain packer pain packer was Heavily inspired by, I wish I was joking, the Eternity Complex Disc 1, which is his fucking splice pack demo. Um, And you can hear it. I'm not going to deny. You can hear it. Because of the way that the uh, pre-drop goes. Because it's sample, do-do-do-do-do-do, sample. Which is exactly how it is in the demo but then i went to the actual drop 
And I'm like, all right, this is similar, but I'm doing something else with it. And then I get to the B part of the job where it's just like that sound in quarter, or yeah, quarter notes. And I'm like, okay, this is not what Eternity Complex did. This is something different. And then I get to the intro, because a lot of time I do a job before the intro, which I hate doing, but sometimes I get a job idea before I get an intro idea. I like the duality of them. So I like kind of like when the intro's different. Um, so then I do the intro, and it's something completely different from what Eternity Complex had. And that, I feel, is where it's inspiration. This is also me. This people are, you, you could also just see this as me talking about my own music, so whoopsie-daisy. Um, so I will go to a different example as well. There was a track, I forget who it was by, but it was Prized. And Prized accidentally did something very similar to a track that I did years ago. And, like, I'm like, hey, uh, Cody, are you aware that, like, this is very similar to a track that I did? And he goes, oh, shit, no, um, I'll change it. And I go, don't. This is your track. The only thing that's too similar is the rhythm, which the rhythm itself was inspired by a fucking Zomboy track. Music goes, like, in layers when it comes to inspiration, if we're being completely honest. Yeah, it's it's subconscious thoughts, too, in terms of, like, things that you're used to enjoying and and gravitating towards things that you don't even think of, like, like routines that you have in your day, right? It's just things that have just kind of happened. And that's something I love about making music. You can... A track being inspired by another track isn't just, I'm inspired by this track. It is, in my eyes... I respect this person as an artist enough to not emulate, but pay homage to. Like, there's an unreleased track I did where I had a very similar, um, like, hardstyle kick thing going on to Bliss 2K. And I did that with the intent of, I am absolutely in love with this track. I want there to be a sort of nod to it. I never finished the track because I got bored of it. <laughs> but it is what it As is. is the way. No, that's because that's very I, I like that concept of of it being something that it's not you're not copying it, but you enjoy it so much that you want to try and, and make something that's yours that's like it. Yes. Which is something that I think that's so, like, so cool about electronic music is a lot of these artists are very much just, like, they're not bothered by it when it does come up if it's not, like, a blatant rip-off. Like, we've had issues with... And if you want As, to, as previously mentioned, Moonboy. I was going to say, like, if you want on the other side of the coin, you have your Moonboy, who was a blatant fucking rip-off of Sudden Death, right down to the sound design. Which, oh, like, yeah, that, it's that rich was fun. coming from me. Because, you know, haha, dollar store must die, funny joke. Okay. But, like, the dude legitimately copied sound design, melodies, even samples from Sudden Death. 
And there's where that line is drawn. If you are copying every little fucking thing from it... Then you're going to run into problems with that, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, no, I, I get I, I get that. I, I love the dollar store must die joke because, like, it's on the nose, but... It's also you listen to your music and it's not like it's it's clearly not must die. It's clearly inspired by must die, which there's no problem with. Like, I mean, he's he's gonna be the the artist for the next couple of years, you know. He is bar none and all has been for a while my favorite artist. Oh, he's he's always been. Real, no, I wouldn't say ahead of the curve with a lot of the stuff, but very much just like the front line of it and really fucking quality music from day one he's always had like strong sound design Mm -hmm. which always made his songs go off live because you know oh this is a must die song you know and he's also very unique in every aspect personality music sound design it's all unique yeah he was one of the first artists that i really noticed like i really noticed being political when they were talking about things and like, like very much like speaking their mind. Cause a lot of it was like, you never saw electronic artists talk about anything mm-hmm. politics related or very rarely. It was must. I came in and was just like, fuck you. This is what I believe in. And it was really like, I love that. I I'm all it for people doing that. It wasn't even political. Like it was kind of political with uh, resist, which by the way, love that track. Um, oh yeah. But like, Eventually, it wasn't even just political, and he uh, did a, a podcast, much like what we're doing now, with uh, Willie Joy, where he's like, I'm not even that political, I just want people to have human rights. And Yeah, but they're unwavering in it, which which is yes, something that, like, it's I, been a constant theme for years now, which I love. Like, it's great. Yeah, and must I absolutely open the door for artists to do that? For better or for worse. For better or worse, yeah. It it's been it's been cool seeing these artists like now because I'm like it's a, I, metal has always been political, and even though I didn't notice it until the past couple of years when I've started paying attention more to things, you see how much of it is political and like experiencing that shift in in artists being able to be themselves really was really cool. It was a really cool thing because the beginning of social media, everyone was just their brand, right? Yeah. It was never, it was never the person who makes the music. It was just the music, which I like, but I want to support someone that I know I agree with. Right. Yeah. Like for me, when it comes to supporting an artist, it is not, I'm supporting the artistry, which I am. I absolutely am. But I'm all, I also want to support them the person who is exactly. like like yeah is they can't separate the art from the artist thing right uh, sort of yes in in a way yeah in but, a like, way i can listen to mustai's music be like all right i like this music and then like not think about like mustai as a person which nothing but respect for mustai as a person yeah but that is it, it, it it's weird to explain i guess no it's understandable we don't have to I know it's just it's been it's been fun because we like I said earlier we we kind of got in at the same time when it came to listening to the music and that like every time I talk to you you've had a very similar experience with like 
we've we've been through the same shifts in the scene. You from the producer side of it, and me from the fact that I nonstop listen to music. Yeah, exactly. It was it, it's it's always made whenever whenever I've talked to you about it, it's always made me happy that I it's like someone that. Because I feel like I'm I'm an insane person whenever <laughs> I talk about it to other people and trying to explain it like like my buddy at the beginning of the pandemic Ratrix played a, a throwback set and Ella asked how it was I'm like oh it was a throwback from like like 2012 to 2015 which was like one of my favorite eras and and she kind of looked at me and laughed because like throwback to eight years ago like like in the grand scheme of things it's it's very strange but. Like to experience all of that change and to still find ways to draw inspiration from it with what's also popular has been something cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. But that also kind of speaks to the longevity of electronic music, especially oh, yeah. dubstep. And so many iterations and so many changes and artists have come and gone and genres have been popular for a well, bit like, and then died out. You hear the name... Here's one from me a while ago, actually, like a few weeks ago. I was driving, and I'm like, does Zomboy still make music? Because I haven't heard anything about him. So, like, I check. He does. But, like, he... Not as an artist, but, like, he's sort of fallen off popularity-wise. I mean, he's still a headliner. He's still a headliner, but, like, I don't hear nearly as much about him as you'd expect. Oh yeah, in terms of coming across his his posts and things, yeah, you're right. Um, but then you have like your slushies, who, like I I I think they're still popular, but I'm not sure. I do not pay attention to that side of it at all. If I'm being entirely honest, I am very much in my everything bass music related camp. Yeah. And I can't leave it because I love it too much. What the fuck? <laughs> I'm just scrolling through Twitter and I see how did I find out Squanto is in prison in Utah? <laughs> yeah, Utah. It's just that that makes it. I don't know why that makes it even funnier. Anyway. Anyway, it, he, he, like, that's a story for another podcast episode. Yeah. No, I know. Okay. Um. So I'm gonna do a bit of a, a hard pivot here. This is something I didn't tell you because I wanted to keep you on your toes. What are three artists to? Sorry, to end this out, I'm gonna kind of do like a little bit of a a quick little like, hey, I'm gonna ask you a question. What are three artists that you think deserve hype, and why? And why? Ooh. Okay. So first things first, I'm gonna take my personal connections out of this. Um, is just going to be relatively underknown artists that I do okay. feel deserve more. I like that more. description. Underknown. Um, Grain Death, number one. Uh, one, again, her personality is fucking hilarious, and her production quality is stupidly good. So she good. puts a spin on everything she does, and she is a fantastic fucking DJ. Um... Another one is Prize, because I've never seen anyone put... Cody. No one I've seen puts their heart into it as much as he does, including me. Oh, he's he's always been just nose to the grindstone. He pours his fucking soul into everything he does, and I have nothing but respect for him for that. Yeah. Uh, Cody is going to hear this, hopefully. Love you, dude. 
Um, and then the third one is a little bit of a toughie. Because there's so many people I want to say. Vice Tempest. Which, like, I know I was taking my personal connections out of it and all three of these people are my friends, but... Vice Tempest is someone who has been in the game for fucking forever, too. Um... I yeah, remember, he's been around for a minute, if I remember correctly. I remember stumbling upon a track of his in 2015. Um, back on Good Old Jesus Died for Dubstep. If oh, good. That's a name I haven't heard in a hot minute. Oh, no. Yeah. Um, Man, this conversation is just memories I've tried to black out. <laughs> but, like, Vice Tempest and a friend of ours, a mutual friend that we had, uh, Huey, had a collaboration there. And... I talked to Huey, but I didn't talk to Nick until I became friends with Cody, and it turns out that he and Cody were friends. So I talked to Nick after that, and again, he has put his nose to the grindstone, and he and I have had our problems in the past. We beefed quite a bit for different reasons, but all in all, we are friends, but if there's someone that I have gone to where I've... He's the only person I can think of where I've, like, gone to in DMs and being like, how the fuck did you do that? Like... Yeah, the music he posts is just constantly like, uh, what? Excuse me? He takes inspiration from Moody Good and does his own fucking thing with it, and I love it. Well, I mean, Moody Good is one of the greatest dubstep acts of all time. Yes. And I'll um, die on that hill, but I'm gonna throw one one other name out there. Uh, okay, I'll I'll allow it. Uh, Misfit, just this once. Misfit, okay. Misfit is an old friend of mine. Um, I remember messaging him when I was Riot with a Y, and he was Misfit Massacre, and I was just like, I. No wait, I didn't message. He messaged me. Misfit Massacre. That's okay. Yeah. That's a name I haven't seen in a hot minute. Um, But anyway, he either followed me or messaged me. And I was like, oh, shit. I'm, like, a huge fan of yours. Um, And the only thing I did was, like, hey, can you tell me how this sounds? And he goes, (laughs) "Uh, these sound like samples. I'm like, oh, they're not. He goes, oh, that's really good. Uh, Here's my Facebook. (laughs) And we haven't talked much recently, but we've still been, like, friends from that. Uh, dude's a fucking sweetheart. I love Hannes so much. He also deserves everything he's getting right now. Um. I'll have to go back down the rabbit hole on that later. Oh, he's so good. He worked with Code Pandorum a few years ago. Uh, the track they had was fantastic. He's been releasing on a label that I used to release on, uh, Psychocybin. Um, everything he's doing there, fantastic. I cannot sing his praises enough. Well, I mean, he did a collaboration with Cope Pandorum, so clearly he's got to be good, right? Oh, he's fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. Everything for me that Cope Pandorum touches is, like, I know is quality. And it's like anybody that he collaborates, I know he's very picky about who he collaborates with, so. The fact that he has a song with Cope Pandorum tells me more than enough about him. He also rebranded Code Pandorum. It is Inhuman now. Inhuman now, yeah. I I mean, I never got to see Code Pandorum live, which sucks, but I, I'm still very interested to see if I get the opportunity to see an Inhuman set to get more of it, right? 
Absolutely. It's a, visual, it's a visual art project. You need to see it live to fully understand it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, no, um, thank you for hopping on. I know we kind of go all over the place, which is uh, exactly how I want it. But um, I'm going to give you a second here to plug your socials and talk about where people will be able to find your new EP that comes out on November the 2nd. Okay, uh, so my SoundCloud is soundcloud.com slash idleontunes. And my uh, Twitter is at idleontunes. The EP will be on Spotify as well as my SoundCloud. And that's all the social media I have. If you find somebody else with that, uh, that's not me. Uh, Eidolon is not an uncommon name. That's my cat. She's being cranky. Uh, Eidolon is not an uncommon name, but, uh, just look for the fox head, basically. The fox head logo, yeah. Um, and also, uh, support Profit Collective because they're also sweethearts, and I cannot praise them enough. Uh, thank you very much for joining. Uh, love you lots. Thank you for having me. I would like to take a moment to recognize that the Wheelback Podcast is recorded and produced on unceded Kakite Indigenous territory.